Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. This is our post-game Orange Bowl edition a couple of days late. Uh, Happy New Year, Skeen. Doug Skeen with me, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman. And Skeen, I got to tell you, that game reminded me a lot of that Michigan-Washington game that you guys played in 1992, the 1992 Rose Bowl, where you could tell early that there was some trouble on the on the lines. And uh, take me back real quick to when you kind of knew that uh, holy crap, we've got a uh, we've we've got a different animal here on our hands. Was it pretty early in that game? It was the first series. Well, I take that back. So, whenever you start a football game and you go out in that field, and you know you're in a big game. So obviously the Orange Bowl was a big game for us all those years ago. The Rose Bowl was a big game. And you know you're up against a good opponent. Those first few snaps, you know, your heart is pounding through your chest and then you know the the the, the adrenaline is off the charts. So that's that's not unusual. But in that Rose Bowl game and what I think you you just alluded to and what I I agree with you, what we saw in the Orange Bowl game was very much like our Rose Bowl game. The second time you go out there and those guys are clearly running through your gaps and you're having a hard time doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. And then the third time you go out there and it seems to be just as bad as that first time going out there and you're kind of back on your heels a little bit. Uh, I know the feeling and I agree with you, Ballas. It's what it looked like in those first few snaps and then the first couple series that Michigan had, that Georgia defensive front was as good as advertised and going all the way back to the 92 Rose Bowl, Steve Entman, who was the number one draft pick that year. They had a a trio of really good linebackers. They had a safety that went on to play in the NFL, and they had a defensive tackle that played opposite of Entman that was a third-round draft pick that year. The best defensive front I ever played against, and they had their way with us. The game was close at the half. Uh, but in the second half, they just pulled away. They were just such a good team, and we weren't we weren't on that level that day in the Rose Bowl. And just like the other night in the Orange Bowl, Michigan was not on Georgia's level. Doesn't mean we don't have the kind of talent uh, to hold up. And clearly, they had better talent in some spots than we did. But they came ready to play from the first snap, and we were on our heels, and it it didn't recover. The disparity in the bodies, it was unbelievable, and you had to be there to appreciate it. I think Clayton, who is listening in on this podcast and producing this for us, would agree. You see them out there, and it's it's a different animal. You saw it at the coin flip. Uh, when they're 340-pound linemen, he's probably closer to 360, got Blake Corum from behind with his quickness on the uh, when he was trying to run a stretch play. Uh, that was unbelievable. But that front seven, their speed, you talk about linebacker play. One SEC coach who was asked anonymously what he thought of Georgia, he said it's the best front seven I've ever seen. And I would have to agree, those guys were just unbelievable. And that was really, in my opinion, the difference in the game. Yeah, those those two players in particular, Ballas, the big defensive tackle there. I think he's yeah he's pushing closer to he's closer to four hundred pounds than he was three hundred pounds. Yes. Uh, but that dude can move. Obviously, he's got a high level 
pick in the NFL. That guy will go on and play 10, 15 years as a three technique in the NFL. He's a prototype with his quickness and speed. And then that the linebacker that was all over the field, there's not a linebacker like that kid in the Big Ten. That, it, yeah. that, that, that player didn't exist this year in our league. And the speed that which that young man demonstrated and, and his ability you know, to run across that whole field and tackle guys from behind, it was there was a talent gap for sure. And that's when you know, the only way to, to defeat that is to schematically do some different things and to perform at your very best. And we didn't have either one of those things going. So um, it was obvious, it was early, there were no answers. Uh, on that one particular play you mentioned where he, he tracked down Corum from behind, it was that wide stretch. And what we should do, Ballas, and, and I can describe it, Vistardis was really, really good at hook blocking, right? He dropped that right shoulder, and then when he got past him, Vistardis would put the brakes on and box out like on a basketball court. On that particular play, if we go back and look at the replay, and we should do this in our film breakdown, Keegan did not put the brakes on. Keegan dropped the shoulder and got around him, and that kid went right around the backside and fetched Corum from behind when he was starting to get near the sideline. And so if Keegan just puts the brakes on and boxes him out, maybe that's a different play. But those tiny little things you have to do when you're playing against dudes like that. Otherwise, you get tackles for losses. But overall, first down efficiency against that Georgia front, I don't know what our, what our yardage gains were on first down but it was abysmal. We were in second and long almost the entire first half. Yeah, whereas Georgia was in second and short, if they ever got to second down, it was second yeah. and a half yard or second and yeah. one. Uh, they were bullying them up front, yeah. flat out. Yeah. What did you see that they did to Aiden Hutchinson? Now, I, in watching the film, it looks like they were getting the ball out quickly, number one. Oh, yeah. Uh, number two, they were helping with him a little bit, but both ends were neutralized. They did absolutely nothing, and I really thought the interior defensive line that had played well all year – had a really tough time with that Georgia front. Yeah. For, well, first of all, credit to the whole Georgia football team. Again, they came ready to play and they executed exactly as they wanted to do and played at a speed that we did not match. But specifically, that football was gone fast in that first quarter. And that's credit to the route running and the routes that they were putting those young men into. So when the ball's gone, I don't care how good of a pass rush you are. When the ball's gone in two seconds, you, you're not going to sack anybody. You're not going to get pressure. We were getting to him a little bit later in the half, um, but the damage had already been done. And then I think credit to the two offensive tackles to Georgia. I was watching them very closely taking on our defensive ends. They did a nice job. They blocked and they put their feet where they belonged. They took good pass sets and just did a nice job of just straight up blocking. And so that was a better, you know, a better, certainly a better duo of offensive tackles than, than Hutch and Ajabo had seen against Ohio State and Iowa for sure. So, again, you talk about talent gap, you talk about performance differences. When you combine a good, talented football player at both tackle spots with a really good performance, that's what you get. You get your best, uh, one of the best, uh, if not the best, pass rushing defensive end duo in the entire country was mostly neutralized. So, what are you going to do? Uh, I tip my hat to Georgia and say, nice job. There was one play on which Vistardis was pulling, and I don't know if you saw it, in that defensive tackle. The other guy uh, hit some head on, and boom, yep. it was just yep. unbelievable. He couldn't move him. And now well, I understand Ballas, about leverage. And I know Vistardis was pulling to his offensive left. Yes. I remember the play. Yep. When you come out of your stance, 
the first thing you have to do is find your target and you better be ready for impact. And that kid, they were well coached. They were expecting that kind of pull action. They probably had scouted it by, by formation and tendencies. And they knew when you get on the edge and an opposing offensive lineman is coming toward you, and this is not new. We've seen this happen for, you know, against gap down pulling teams all along. That defender has to drop and you got to get lower than the offensive lineman coming at you. And that's exactly on that play what that kid did. He got underneath Vistardis' chin and stoned him right there in the pocket or in the hole. And Vistardis had nowhere to go. And then the whole play had to bend back inside for no gain, if anything. And then he bent Vistardis back over backwards on top of him. That's physical football, man. And so, again, to pull out of your stance and come around the corner there and think that you're going to just easily get underneath somebody in a playoff game against a highly talented and well-coached team, hey, this, this ain't. This ain't Minnesota here, man. You're playing in a playoff game, which, again, is a higher speed, a higher level of performance required. You know, we talk about, and you can see it as fans, we talk about preseason football in the NFL versus regular season. That's definitely a speed up. And you talk to anybody that's played in, in playoff NFL games, that is a speed that's even higher, and it gets higher with each round of the playoffs all the way up to the Super Bowl. Georgia came ready with that kind of speed and performance, and Michigan did not. And that's another example you just mentioned there on the edge where it was exemplified. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I, I was talking to Doug Cars, Michigan's man on the sidelines, and you know, it was I was basically writing at halftime, right? And, and that's a bad feeling when you're writing a game at halftime because you know it's highly <laughs> unlikely and all this we won the second half stuff i'm hearing michigan fans say some of that uh well i mean they could have probably named the score if we're being honest and i thought jj mccarthy did some good things but yeah. harsh did say i asked him how many times you think georgia wins that game if michigan and georgia line up this year i said nine times out of ten he said ten out of ten and i said well i went nine out of ten because of the um because of the miracle on ice in 1980, right? One, you get one game where something can happen, but a lot of things would have had to go wrong for, for Georgia, for Michigan to win one football game against those guys. Really, that in my opinion, the talent gap was just really that that demonstrative. Well, I, again, I, I agree with you, the talent gap, but I go I go back to the performance gap. And mm-hmm. if, those, if those teams played 10 times and Michigan got another chance to scout them and Michigan got another chance to – see what they really had to do to perform against them. Michigan would win a couple of those games. I do believe that. Wow. Uh, so I'll, I'll say eight out of eight out of 10 Georgia wins. Okay. Uh, again, it, it credit off, credit with the hats off to the University of Georgia for assembling a team like that and performing the way they did. Michigan, and Coach Harbaugh said after the game, they did not play their best, and they did not. They, they were scouted well. They, they probably showed a little bit of tendencies, and, and Georgia was ready to go. So it was a collective beating. Uh, that offensive uh, and defensive staff was outdone by the Georgia offense and defensive staff, and the players just simply played better. And then you mix in a, 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 at, at a few positions a clear uh, physical advantage, and then you get the result you had. So these things happen sometimes, Ballas. They do happen. They've happened to every football team and every guy that's ever worn a uniform and played the game. Uh, it just sucks that it happened on that stage on that evening for the world to see. And it's a terrible feeling standing on the sideline early in a game when when you look up at that scoreboard and you're already starting to think about that chicken sandwich and it's not even halftime yet. But that's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what happened, man. And and again, yeah. I, I I can tell you 
having been there and done that, it stinks. And you go back and just like these players said after the game, this is an experience. We're going to learn from this and we're going to work toward the next, the next chance, the next chance that we get. So it just kind of is what it is when you start looking up there and you go, yeah, we have no chance of winning this game. Yeah, wondering if you're getting a king size Snickers or regular size in that box lunch. So <laughs> it's crazy. We were standing. I was thinking about you, man. We were standing there waiting for the bus to come at one in the morning to take us back to the hotel. And a guy comes through with a pickup truck with a bo- bunch of box lunches left over from. from and I'm thinking, I wonder what's I wonder if there's a chicken sandwich in there, man. And it's like I was took one just for the heck of it. I guess it ended up being pulled pork. Some of the people took it. You know, for all I knew, it was just some. Uh, some dude, you know, handing out food on the on the streets or whatever. But uh, it was it was funny. But uh, your thoughts on it, did anybody play up front? Anybody play well? Because I, I'm trying to I was going through the film and we'll go through it again. You and I and do the film breakdown. But I couldn't find one guy that I thought, boy, that guy really played a good game. Well, it's it's hard to point anybody out. You know, I, I've not gone back and watched it uh, mm-hmm. the second time around. I'll do so. But I will say this, the effort. It wasn't because Michigan wasn't trying it. These guys mm-hmm. were trying, of were playing hard. It wasn't because they went out and just kind of lollygagged through it. No, that wasn't the case at all. Um, but it, there's there's nothing that stands out as, as to anybody that played an off-the-charts good game. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see when we go back and watch it one last time to put this season to bed. But um, again, it was not it was not Michigan's best performance, and it may have been one of Georgia's best performances. So again, I'll t- I'll tip the cap to the Georgia Bulldogs, and uh, if they, and I would also say if they play like they did against us, they're going to beat Alabama and win the yeah. whole thing. Um, so uh, that'll be you know whatever happens there. So, but um, no, I didn't I didn't see anybody ballast that, uh, that that I thought wow this guy's really performing against this team. It was a collective team butt kicking. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. If you could do it over again, say you were in that that staff room and you were saying, okay, I'm looking at the film of this game. What would you have done differently? Uh, a lot of people say, well, we need to just start J.J. McCarthy from the get-go. And, and true, he was more escapable. Uh, he was running for his life half the time, too. Completed seven of 17 passes, had a couple balls dropped. Uh, so did Cade McNamara yeah. have a couple balls dropped. Uh, McNamara had a, uh, one interception that should have been a pass interference call. I'm sure you saw that. And then the other one where, where Jim Harbaugh said Dalen Baldwin lost the ball in the lights and he stopped his route regardless of their picks. Uh, it is what it is, right? But yeah. if, you're, if you've got a chance to do something different, what do you do? Well, I think, I think that the tendency is a little bit – showed to be a little bit obvious for the Georgia defense to to game plan around 
And I think just like we saw Georgia do against our defense, I would go back and I would redesign some things to get that ball out of McNamara or McCarthy's hand. Either one doesn't matter uh, faster, right? For routes, get the ball clean uh, and get them out of there. Our two tight ends, um, get them a little involved and find a mismatch with those two guys, maybe against the linebacker, get that ball up high and get it out of there. Um, and then maybe not be so obvious with some of our gap down blocking. But again, I think, you know, if we go back and we look at some things, Ballas, um, when you play against superior talent, bigger, stronger, faster guys, it's a requirement that your technique be even better. So if maybe you're a step slower or you're an inch or two smaller and you don't match up physically, you have to make up that difference somehow. And the only way to make up that difference is to be absolutely crisp and pure in your technique. And I guarantee you, we turn on this film, we're not going to see crisp and pure and absolutely really good technique against guys that are clearly all NFL first round draft pick kind of guys. And so that's what I would do differently. I'd go back and I wouldn't reinvent my entire offense or defense for that matter. But you have to have excellent performance and execution and maybe change up a few things here and there to help your team offset the physical difference that you've got against your opponent. Where are you in the McCarthy-McNamara debate? And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, McNamara leads him to a Big Ten title, and everybody, we still have people on the message board saying, well, they did it in spite of him, or they did it with defense in a running game. Uh, I, I'm no, I don't buy that. Uh, do I think that J.J. McCarthy's ceiling is higher? Absolutely. I think we've seen it. He's got a better arm. He can move better. Uh, that does not mean that he's automatically going to be the starting quarterback next year. No, it doesn't. And and again, do not. I I, I don't. I you, you just can't discount the way that uh, Kate took care of the football throughout the year. And yeah, there was a few interceptions. A few of them weren't even his fault. You know, tip balls that hit guys in the hands. A few of them were, but. The interception ratio and the way you protected the ball throughout the year is one of the reasons we are the Big Ten champions. And his effectiveness and being able to throw a really accurate crossing route. So um, I'm still I'm still a McNamara fan. I think this kid just has a smooth confidence about him. He doesn't take the risks that I think people want him to take that we see young McCarthy uh, take from time to time and try to force things from time to time. And I still think that if J.J. plays with that style, we're going to see some of the pain and the growth because of that style. And we're also going to get to enjoy some of the benefits of his athleticism and be able to make plays. So it's a tough one for the coaching staff. It's a tough one for those two young men because there's only one starting quarterback. And so we'll see how Harbaugh and his staff handle this to try to keep them both happy with getting on the field. But you cannot take away the fact that that – Cade McNamara took this team and won a Big Ten championship with them. And there may be guys that are more talented. There's always been that guy that's more talented. But the fact is, he did it. And he did it effectively. And you can't take that away. So that counts for a lot, Ballas. So I'm still a fan of the, of the quarterback that got us the ring. Yeah. Is there only one starting quarterback? Because I'm looking at a platoon next year. And I'm, I'm looking at it. I got to tell you, I, I everybody who's saying there's no way that, that McNamara starts another game at Michigan. I, I think that's insane to say that, number one. Number two, uh, it to me, the most logical thing, even though it's not ideal, is that both of these guys play and that there is a role for both of these guys. Now, if J.J. McCarthy comes out in the spring and protects the ball and moves the offense and does everything that you ask him to, uh, 
then I can see him absolutely winning the job. And frankly, it would be ideal for Michigan because he's got the better skill set. But I'm just not yeah. ready to bury this kid yet. So no, what are you, your, you, your thoughts on a platoon? No, well, it's worked, right? It worked yeah. to this degree. And last I checked, neither one of them have put their name in the transfer portal. So they're still here. They're still planning on being a Michigan football player. And so, but at the same time, if Jim Harbaugh is still hanging on to any of his meritocracy claims that he's had in the past, then the best guy is going to start the football season next fall. I think that this, this coaching staff, Harbaugh and the quarterback coach and the rest of the staff has done a good job of rotating a lot of guys in on that football field so that you don't have transfer problems. Uh, I know Michigan's had a couple that have announced, but those guys didn't play a whole lot of football. So it's modern, this modern day football going into 2022 with transfer portal and everything else, Ballas. You got to get these guys on the field. I think we're going to see more of this. I'm not opposed to it because what I just saw happen here in the 2021 season was a Big Ten championship with two quarterbacks playing. And if we see some more of that, I'm fine with it because it worked this, in this last season. I, can, I don't see why it can't work again next season. Yeah, when somebody says, well, J.J. raises the bar, and I say, well, the bar is beating Ohio State and winning a Big Ten championship. So the bar is pretty dang high, you know. So it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out, and that's why these guys get paid the big bucks, Skeen, because they're the ones that have to figure this stuff out, and it's hard to keep kids happy. You can see Cade McNamara wasn't real thrilled being on the bench in the fourth quarter there, nor should he be as a competitor. It does not mean he was sulking or anything, but, hey, you like to see that in a guy like that. Yeah, and, and it's, it'd be fascinating to know, you know, I, I always have this, 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 this cliche that I use, Ballas, the players, the players always know who the players are. Uh-huh. And in the heart of hearts of, of Cade McNamara, he knows that J.J.'s faster than him by a mile. And he knows that the other, that he's got a stronger arm. But it doesn't mean that they're both not uber competitive, right? They're these, both of these guys, and it, it it doesn't matter who you are. If you're out there as a starter and you get pulled off the field and you're standing there watching, it's a terrible feeling because you don't want to let anybody down. And we could see throughout the course of the season that McNamara had a, an emotional connection to his teammates out there. And anytime you remove that ability to go out and perform, well, you're going to have disappointment and guys on the sideline that just hate being there. That's natural and you want that. Can Michigan keep both of these guys happy for the next two years without one of them transferring somewhere else where they can be the man 100% of the time? That'll be a challenge for Jim Harbaugh and his staff. But the reality is no matter where any player goes in the United States in college football nowadays, if you want to play at the top end of the game, you're going to be competing against other guys and the chance to transfer and run somewhere else will always be there. It would be great. It would be absolutely great to see both of these guys among other Michigan players to stick it out and grind and take advantage of the opportunities that this coaching staff is allowing to get multiple guys on the field throughout the course of each game they play. Yeah, it wouldn't stun me if McNamara, who is in his third year now, uh, finished up next year, you know, and thought, okay, you know, I'm going to play my last year somewhere else where I can just be the guy if he's splitting time, uh, having accomplished things here and having gotten his Michigan degree. Last question for you, the offensive line, how many of these guys that are moving on do you see playing in the pros? And uh, they've got a kid coming in from Virginia. You and I are going to do a film breakdown on him. Olu Oluwatimi from Virginia, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Maybe I missed an F in there or something. I don't know. But at center, you're plugging him in. It's going to be a different look. 
Bill Parcells, I always come back to this. Bill Parcells said one team is never the same. doesn't matter if you just lose a few guys. This team is going to be different than that team. Your expectations for the offensive line, what do you see as Stuber's future, for example, Andrew Bastardis? Well, I, I think both of these guys will get their chance in the NFL. A lot of that depends, as you know, on how they would perform in the measurables of the NFL combine and how they jump and how they run, how they move. We'll see where their draft status is. Uh, that's one thing. Can they play in the NFL? I think both of them can. Um, will they? You know, we'll see. There's a lot can happen at the end of the season and what their life goals are. And, and some of these guys at a younger age now are measuring injuries and body fatigue and everything else. So I don't know either of those young men personally. Uh, I imagine that they would want to give their chance in the NFL, but we'll see. I think they can if they want to, Bows. I think they absolutely can. And so the replacements for them, I think it's interesting. Uh, we talked and we saw a little bit of Crippen, who was the backup center earlier in the year. And now Michigan's going to bring in this young man from Virginia, who's one of the better centers, is a, is a transfer guy. Uh, that's new and exciting. It doesn't mean that Crippen won't play. Crippen could be one of the top five linemen. you got to find a spot for him. I'll tell you, no matter what happens with this offensive line, uh, based on what we've seen this last year from Coach Sharon Moore, I feel pretty good about what he's going to do and what he can do with this group in 2022. So you get the top five guys out there, and you rotate it. You rotate in number six and seven when you have to or when you can, and I feel pretty good about it. I see that Eric All has already announced that he's coming back to play another year at Michigan. I think that's great news. I think that guy's a real weapon in an offense. Uh, Schoon, Schoonmaker, I think he's got another year left, Ballas. So I'm not sure yep. if he's made public comments. So there's two weapons for you right there. We got these young wide receivers. We're going to have the running backs. Yes, we're going to miss Hassan Haskins. You got quarterbacks. I like this Michigan roster going into next year. The biggest difference will be uh, you lose those two defensive ends. That's going to be a massive challenge to replace. And because of that, I think Michigan's offense next year is going to have to be a little bit better than it was this year because we're not going to be able to probably rush that quarterback in 2022 like we did this last year with Hutch and Ajabo. So you got to make up for that somewhere. And then, of course, somebody, whoever plays those two spots, somebody's got to step up and meet the expectation of the position and get to the quarterback. Who that's going to be, I don't know. Did Ojabo lose some money? He didn't do a whole lot in that game, and he's he's a part-time guy. And I keep coming back to that, and I am certainly in no way discounting what he accomplished this year. But he played, what, 30% of the snaps in that game because he's not playing against the run. And I understand that there's always room for a pass-rushing specialist in the NFL, but boy, uh, now you're starting to see him disappear from that first round, and, and could he do himself uh, a service by coming back for another year? I I. I think he could. I think that's been, mm -hmm. that's played out, that most of the guys that come back and play another year uh, get the chance to, to tune their stuff in. And for a guy like Ojabo, he could get more snaps on more downs and more situations. I think, yes, the answer is yes. That doesn't mean he's going to. That doesn't mean he's not going to take his chance in the NFL as a higher draft pick, either late first round, maybe even second round. Do I think that that one game against Georgia is going to massively change his film? And what NFL scouts are looking at here? No, I don't think. Nor, nor do I think that way for Hutch either. Um, I think NFL t talent uh, personnel can look and see who they're playing against and judge some things, and then judge their their abilities versus the rest of the defensive end options in the United States coming into the draft this year. And I wouldn't think that that movement is going to be a whole lot different just because of that one game. And so.
you know, it, it's it, Ojabo had done that throughout the year, though, Ballas. There were games where he didn't play a whole lot of snaps. Right. And so I think that's that's just the reality of the way he had. So the way the season went for him, I think that that you definitely can come back and, and be the feature guy. But, you know, again, when you don't have Aiden Hutchinson on the other side creating space and opportunity for you, it's going to require more of that defensive end spot on his own. So we'll see what happens. I would guess, though, that the young man will leave and go play in the NFL and, and take the money he can get now. And then, you know, you and I will see how it goes in the years to come as he as he tries to make his way throughout the NFL. Because as I've told you before in these podcasts, there ain't anybody in the NFL that isn't awesome. Every right. one of those dudes that play offensive attack on the NFL are legit badasses, and they can yep. block you all day long. So that's a, that's a step up that is hard to describe, but it is significant. Yeah, well, and you've been there, and you know it, uh, so uh, you lived it. Skeen, I appreciate your time. As always, all year, we will break down the film here later in the week and uh, do a couple podcasts in the offseason leading up to spring ball. It'll be here before you know it, brother, and uh, we'll be hey, back. Hey, spring ballast. What is it, 90-something days to the Masters? I mean, golf season is that right around the corner. Look outside. Yeah, I'm looking outside. It's freaking six inches of snow where I am. I don't know what it is like where you are. But I uh, just got back from Florida. It took me forever. That's why we're doing this podcast a little late. The airline industry, holy cow. So uh, that's well, that's another podcast for another day. Well, listen, I would say this. this I think that uh, this these podcasts have been fun through this season. It's been fun to watch this team. I like the video thing. I hope that everybody watching these enjoys it. And so it's been a good year. Happy New Year to you and everybody on the uh, on the Wolverine staff. And we'll do this again, Ballas. We'll do it all over again. You know it. Thanks, Keen. Go Blue. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.